This is the Doctor Who Podcast, and you are most welcome. Dear listeners, to episode 330 of the Doctor Who podcast. As always, you are most welcome as we do our, are we calling these flash recordings now? Have I heard that? Is that a thing? Uh, Our flash recording uh, of the latest Doctor Who episode of Flux, episode four, Village of the Angels. And with me in the camper van, I have James and Phil. Hello, Michelle. Hello, Phil. Hello. Hello, Michelle. Hello, James. We are James. not flashing, though, regardless of what you say. <laughs> Thank goodness, because this is a video call. <laughs> keep, keep it clean, yeah, please, James. Keep it clean. Podcast <laughs> on the day, opposed to village of any kind. This, you see, this is what happens when I literally just stop watching the episode because of the, the delay, and you guys have had an hour to twiddle your thumbs. So you are in here. Skulking inside a human mind. That's new. Wait, you're the one who hijacked my TARDIS. Yes. I brought you here. How? If you're here, inside Claire's mind, the psychotemporal effort that would have taken is incalculable. I need your help, Doctor. A weeping angel needs my help. Phil, you and I hardly ever get a chance to speak. What did you think of this? <laughs> um... Okay, I I I certainly enjoyed it. I couldn't tell you what what happened. Um, really, I didn't understand it. Um, it, it I, I definitely need to watch it again. Um, but I thought the angels were used fantastically well. It was it was a, a, a brilliantly creepy atmospheric episode, uh, which I think should have gone out on Halloween rather than the <laughs> Halloween apocalypse. Actually, it was more suited uh, for uh, for a night of uh, a night of horror. Actually, but it was uh, I thought it was well acted. Um, it ended one one doozy of a cliffhanger. It, it really did. Um, I don't know where they're going to go from this. I really, I really do not know. Chapter five. Thank you, James. Thank you for stating <laughs> the obvious. There. <laughs> okay, that was initial impression from Phil, and I would lay money that James is going to have the opposite reaction. Uh, well, you would lose your money, though, Michelle. Are you serious? You would lose it you- all. Uh, You're wow. not going to be cranky, do wow. you? Oh, I'm very sorry to disappoint you by the sound of things, oh. and indeed perhaps our <laughs> listeners. I loved this. I thought this was brilliant. I don't understand why Phil doesn't understand it. <laughs> Compared to last week, <laughs> last week, I have to admit my head was in a right old wangle, um, and I really needed to, to, to rewatch and make maps and diagrams and do research before I had even a vague <laughs> idea. Whereas this time around, it was, oh, I was gripped. I was absolutely gripped. For the first time in as long as I can possibly remember, I have absolutely <laughs> nothing bad to say about this episode of Doctor Who. I loved it. And the best part of my day is that I get to record a Doctor Who podcast with a happy James. That is a red. <laughs> You're red making that sound as though it's wow. extremely rare. It, well, I'm generally very happy, even when I'm miserable. <laughs> I quite enjoy being miserable. <laughs> anyway, Michelle, how about um, you? How about you? What did you think? You know what? I enjoyed this as well, and uh, 
it does seem like we're getting an episode of really crazy uh, fire hose stuff thrown at us all over the board, Hmm. followed by an episode that has a more cohesive story. Um, And and I really, I did enjoy the return. I I feel fortunate that I've gotten to record (laughs) on the two stories that um, were a little easier to follow that made sense. But I thought, yeah, I I was definitely um, captivated by it, wondering what was going to have next. I enjoyed the characters as well, everything Mm. from Mm. Peggy to Jericho. I I still think Vinder is one of my favorite characters this season, and um, he didn't show up till the very end. But I, I am kind of enjoying now the subplot line about Vinder and Bell. There's still timey wimey stuff. It's still complex and complicated. But I begin to have a little bit of hope that this is all going to tie up in some sensible way by the time we get to the end of episode six. Um, that's the worry isn't it you see now everyone's expectations have (laughs) been you know raised a little I think after this episode I mean even after last week's episode people were really excited but the 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 view that was really common throughout fandom and and certainly amongst um, many different commentators I listen to is uh, this will be absolutely amazing if if it all ties together satisfactorily and Chibnall as I've called him before, is the master of the anticlimax. So I, I really hope um, it does end that's, well. That's the James we know and there love. There we go. Yeah, he's never very far away, <laughs> Michelle. Um, but, but I agree with you. Um, I, I, I think this was excellent for a number of different reasons. It, was, it clearly had a horror vibe to it. Phil was absolutely spot on when he said this is more Halloween-y than the episode with Halloween in its title. It was... Well, it was time travelly. It was Doctor Who through and through. It, um, it 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 did what the classic series did with ease, which is just mix any old genre into Doctor Who without it being a blatant rip off. Uh, it it was just its own mm. animal. Uh, the characters, as you say, were fantastic. The sci-fi element was really good. The two time zones uh, featuring well basically a split screen there was quite a lot of symmetry in this actually there was a split screen when the doctor went inside claire's head as well with the beach um it just basically mirrored um two sides of of, of, uh, half a screen did it again with light and day did it again metaphorically with a young peggy and an old peggy uh clearly that the theme of this is is just circular everything comes back to where it begins um I, i everything just worked for me this time around and i i really well i didn't even have a problem with the totally separate subplot that you mentioned michelle uh with bell and vinda um you know and i'm not saying that i would normally have a a, an issue with that but it had absolutely nothing to do with the main action on the screen and normally that would just annoy me because it's it just feels like um you know it's a consequence of having um six episodes that's basically a single story you've got to pick up another story strand without it being directly related to the a plot of the episode you're watching but that was interesting as well and i Mm. uh, yeah just Mm. uh, just just enjoying enjoying it at the moment and i'll I'll stop talking now well i think another another I agree with you, James. Actually, I think the it, it, it was classic Doctor Who, uh, even down to the point it was a classic base under siege story. Mm-hmm, true, yeah. Uh, f- for most of it, really, uh, which 
I, I love I love those based under siege um, stories actually, but I think the uh, first for Doctor we had a, we had a, a mid credit <laughs> scene. Yeah, yeah, yeah we, well. did, we did. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was weird. One thing I did notice um, though when the the Yang credits were were playing is that the there was a subtle change to the Doctor I Who thought theme. It was a homage to the um, first it Doctor, the, the original theme. Well, it did, but what it was missing it was the missing middle the, eight. Da, 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 is that the middle da, eight? Da, 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 no, no, it's missing the, the main the sort of beat the through it. What, the bass, yeah, which they always said was meant to be the Doctor's heartbeats. So I wonder if that was meant to be, that was deliberate. <laughs> um, it was meant to, it was the Doctor's heartbeats and now missing from the music. I'm just throwing out a, a, a stupid theory there. But. I, I, I think you're definitely <laughs> right. It was deliberate. Whatever it was, was deliberate. Mm. Um, I, I have to say the thing which I hadn't even formed you know, in words in my head, uh, it was just a reaction to that, is that we we found out a lot more about the division this time, which relates to mm. the Doctor's past pre the Hartnell Doctor. So therefore, when we first met the Doctor, you had that, you know, original theme tune, and I just assumed it was something to do with that. But maybe maybe I'm off there. Well, well no, they, they, do, they do borrow quite heavily from the original um, Delia Derbyshire arrangement. Actually, for for the, for the theme tune, they live mm. quite heavily. So yeah, we're just, just missing the, the, the as Michelle said, the bass line through it, which I thought was, um, as you say, quite quite yeah. deliberate. But uh, I've got to watch it again, though. This is the one episode so far that I thought I really not that I must watch it again, just because to review it or or just pick up things I didn't quite pick up in the first place. Yeah, because I want to watch it again because it was such a, a such mm. a good episode. Oh, really I'm was. glad to hear it. I mean, I, I liked even just the smaller things. You know, right at the very opening, the TARDIS is mistaken for a police box. Now, that's mm-hmm. happened in the past. I like that. Yeah. I really like scenes where mm-hmm. that happens. I thought that was that was really good. And it had some brand new ideas. Um, you know, monsters suffer from diminishing returns all the time. And, you know, people think the, dimin- uh, the, the angels are a prime example of that. Yet this time, the whole idea of someone who is capable of premonitions or has premonitions seeing an image of an angel and that angel forming in the minds of that character. What a brilliant idea. Mm. And it wasn't even Moffat as far as we know. (laughs) Maybe that was Maxine Alderton's (laughs) contribution. Look at that. I've got to have some kind of kicker in my positivity. But who who, who, who knows? (laughs) I I just thought that was a fantastic idea. And as I was realizing this is what was going on uh, I, I was just thinking i like this and i i, I just could not remember mm. a time when i warmed to uh, an idea a, a new idea in doctor who mm-hmm, uh, that mm-hmm. much this human is my sanctuary i identified her as my hiding place from others of my kind so you're saying those angels in the village in jericho's house they were coming to rescue you they're coming to capture you. Correct. A rogue weeping angel on the run from other angels hiding in the mind of a human. Well, and there was some really creepy things, yeah. like when she leans over in the bathroom and stands up and has the, the wings of the angel behind her. Yeah. <laughs> or, or, or the angel showing up on the the device that was used to record the brain waves. And, but, um, and, and, you know, with all the theories that we've had, including from Drew about the angels are going to be the good guys. One of the things I love about this episode is that 
we still wouldn't call them good guys, mm. but there's obviously something. I mean, the mm. angel that took over Claire doesn't sound like that angel's necessarily good or even really assisting the doctors. The angels apparently work for Division, um, and we're not real sure about, I mean, Division seems suspect. So um, well, yeah. I like that this kind of, this continues the kind of the, uh, the ambiguity about what these angels are all about. Oh, absolutely. And, and I think um, yeah. e- even the division, uh, which was actually mentioned several times, it, I mean, this, this episode wasn't like the Sontaran episode where it could have just appeared in almost any series of Doctor Who. This this one, you know, the, the main plot was linked to the overall arc. And I think that was that was really good. Um, and this last week, I've gone back to season 12, just watched two episodes so far. That's Fugitive of the Jadoon and Ascension of the Cybermen. And my goodness, the amount of stuff about the division that features in just those two episodes that I had completely forgotten. It was almost as though I'd seen a silence somewhere, but I, I, I completely <laughs> completely deleted those stories from my memory. And the uh, the amount of context that are in those stories uh, that helped me to enjoy this one even more is is phenomenal so um the, the division is something i'm genuinely interested in now and we do know quite a bit about it and uh, the, the fact that the angels are clearly not out and out baddies here and the division just because the doctor used to work for them aren't out and out goodies you know, it just plays with the with the traditional mm. format. And uh, although Drew's theory clearly isn't absolutely spot on, or it doesn't appear to be spot on, what he has highlighted is the fact that it would appear alliances are being made between normal enemies or enemies under normal circumstances uh, to fight uh, a greater evil. Um, so I, I think that's I think that's interesting. Um, the ending as well, I think, was. I'm trying to think of the right words here. I think it was it was good. <laughs> I'll say it was good. I think it was quite audacious for the Doctor to be mm. turned into a, a, a weeping angel. For it, it that can't just be hand waved away in 30 seconds next week because it will diminish no. that cliffhanger massively. No. Although I do hope I hope they don't leave her as an angel for long because. I always like the doctor as the doctor. So, yeah, it's an amazing cliffhanger. I hope she can still be the doctor to a certain extent fairly quickly. <laughs> <laughs> well, that, that's that's what made me think, actually, because Yaz and Dan weren't used extensively in this episode. And I, what I'm sort of kind of thinking now, they seem to feature more in, in the next time trailer um, for, for Chapter 5. Makes me think, mm. is this next week going to be a, a Doctor Light kind of episode I certainly hope not because we haven't got a very long season we've only got two episodes mm-hmm. left um, and I think to have a, a Doctor Light episode in a, in a six episode season that's kind of I, I know what you mean I think it's coming I and I think the reason why it's coming is because I think the reason for all of the actions we're seeing on screen has to originate with a Doctor and how do you tell that story if the Doctor's on screen for you know Almost every scene. I I don't think she'll be there much mm. at all next uh, next week, but we'll see. I'll bet um, not only Dan and Yaz, but Vinder and Bell may come to the fore even more than they have um, in this next one. Yeah, one of the leading 
I don't know about leading, but one of the theories, kooky theories, although not that kooky that I've seen floating around the internet, is that um, maybe Vinder and Bell are the doctor's parents. Yeah, yeah, I saw that too. Um, yeah, so no, not Kate. Yeah, and, and you guys don't like it. I can tell from your expressions. No, well, <laughs> just been done before. Thought, well, you know, not not the doctor's parents, but obviously with uh, Amy, Rory, and River. I mean, we don't really want to go back and find about you know more genealogy, uh, <laughs> genealogy of the Time Lords. Whilst might possibly be a good episode title, I don't think it would be really good if it played out as a story. <laughs> I don't want to know everything about the Doctor. I want there to be still some mystery. I don't want everything explained about what her background is, who her parents are, and I, I don't really, I don't think it's to me, it's not necessary. That's always been the whole reason. It's Doctor Who. Who is that person? You don't know anything about them other than they're a Time Lord. They come from Gallifrey and they're on the run. That's it. Uh, well, could could it be a case that Chibnall has decided? to tell the story that hasn't been told for the last 60 years about the Doctor's family and the Doctor's past and then comes up Mm -hmm. with a mechanism, possibly the flux or some space-time event uh, that resets absolutely everything just in time for it all to start all over again. Yeah, I think it was Michelle said about kooky theories and I don't think this one's actually so kooky. I think that this whole story is building to a big red button, actually. Yeah. To be pressed. In the beginning, one of the beginning monologues was the line, the end begins again. Um, that was actually something that Claire said when she was at the beginning, when she was hooked up to the machines, the end begins again. Mm. Um, there is no time. The end begins again. So interesting things here. Um, I I agree with you guys that I like the doctor mysterious. I like the doctor just being someone who runs around and makes things right and isn't the center of the universe, and uh, but is someone, a hero that we can cheer for. Uh, however, if he is going to go that route, I actually like Belle and Vinder. So, and Belle did so many doctory things in this episode, <laughs> um, saving people. <laughs> yeah, she knew, she yeah. knew about passengers. She, you know, she's giving up temporary, at least on her search for Vinder, so she can go you know, battle the baddies uh, and make the universe right. What did you do? Why did you stop me? That was my chance. Passenger forms are not transportation. They're prisons. Endless prisons. You're wrong. No, I'm not. Whatever she is, she is not salvation. I don't believe you. I don't believe you. Bizano is not a sanctuary. It's a hunting ground. Come with me. There's room on my ship. It feels to me like it's headed that direction. Of course, it could all be a red herring. Mm. But uh, but I also think the possibility mm. of a reset button at the end is a very real thing, too. I, I just wonder what yeah. Azua was doing in it this time. Uh, because, I mean, they, they're clearly collecting people in... in the passenger or the passenger form as as bell calls it why do they need all of these individuals especially as we saw them in the last episodes just wantonly destroy them you know are they holding them hostage or to re- re- repopulate the next universe well yeah in that case it would seem kind of remiss to have destroyed two of them in, in the last episode you know i it just feels as though maybe they're gathering leverage 
uh, for the doctor that, for yeah, a confrontation yeah. that uh, yeah. is yet yet to, yet to come. And and the other question I I had really uh, is, is well I suppose it's it's not so much a question it's um I, I'm I'm surprised that there was absolutely no reference whatsoever to. Orsock, who I inadvertently described as Arsock when I spoke to Ian during the week, which um, <laughs> he, he, uh, he did laugh at me at the time. And then I heard myself say it back and thought, no, definitely not the right name there. But there was absolutely no reference to her as well. And I just get the feeling she's going to feature again, either in Flux or perhaps one of the specials. Well, she has to, or they wouldn't have stuck her in. So, yeah. Well, I suppose yeah. that's obvious, yes. But I just thought there might be something sooner rather than later. Well, the, the the other thing they haven't sort of mentioned again since War of the Sontarans uh, was was seen very briefly right at the very beginning of the episode was that creepy floating oh, house. I thought about that too. Yeah, because this one opened with a, a dark house and I thought, is that the creepy house? And I thought, no, no, that's it's not floating. It's I don't think that's the same house. I think right that now. house is tied uh. in some way to the house we see in Ascension of the Cybermen and in The Timeless Children. I think it might be something to do with the division headquarters. Again, it it, it helps. Ooh, it helps okay. if you go back and yeah. watch the story um, with Brendan, the character Brendan, uh, which is interspersed in much the same way Bell and Vinder's story was interspersed throughout tonight's episode. Brendan's story was interspersed throughout Ascension of the Cybermen. And uh, that's all about essentially... A character being found as a baby, being looked after, and you follow him throughout his entire life. He becomes a policeman, and then at the end of it, his mind is wiped. You know, and, yeah. uh, oh, yeah. and now that house, oh, yeah. that whole house, obviously has something to do with division or the division. We don't really know to, whether to call it division or the division these days. So I just wonder whether that's linked in some way. I mean, I'm I'm intrigued and I'm excited and I'm genuinely. Uh, invested now so th- this is this, this is the point yeah, where same you here. know it's all taken away from me when it's um it <laughs> it all crashes um next episode survivors <laughs> of the flux you know it, it better be good otherwise i may not be a survivor of the flux <laughs> <So>. <laughs> well i was gonna say did you get sort of get the feeling this this type of storytelling that chibnall's doing now is why the oh, bbc it's, hired it's, him in the first place people say that and I've seen even tonight in the what hour and a bit since it finished broadcasting, people are going, "Oh, why are we getting this kind of Chibnall now when he's leaving?" And all all of the bog standard <laughs> stuff. It's one episode, guys. One episode in what twenty four. This one had a double credit on it. I don't know if the others have this season. I didn't notice, but I did notice there was um, Maxine Alderton written with yes, and, Maxine and, Alderton. And I, which I tend to think. I mean, even going back to Moffat, I always thought Moffat was often a better writer when he was writing in a team setting, when, when, when Russell T. Davis was, yes. was at any rate. And so here's mm. an episode where we have, and I don't know how much emphasis either writer had, but here Chibnall is writing with somebody else. Um, but it's, it's the strongest episode probably of the season. And so I still tend to be a believer in maybe not letting showrunners run off and do their own thing too much, but having having... <laughs> I wonder whether that's it. I wonder whether that's it. I mean, this is you're right. This is the only episode uh, out of the six that has a, a, a co-credit. It's Maxine Alderton. She wrote um, the Diodati episode of season 12. 
Yeah, Halton yeah, and Villa Diodati, which was my favourite episode. I thought it was the strongest episode of the last season. I remember you saying that actually, at the time. Really, yeah, um, I love that one. And there, I also yeah. found out fairly recently that actually there's something to discern from the way the two names appear on screen together. So what I noticed this time, sequencing, Chris Chibnall was first, and then it's mm-hmm. and Maxine Alderton. And there is a difference between using the word and and having the ampersand in it and again it's easy to find out now i haven't got it on screen so i can't tell you but that gives you an idea of who was the driving force behind the episode and i think it stands to reason at the moment given that chibnall has basically mm-hmm. designed flux he almost certainly uh, was the architect of this this story outline at the very least yeah but i still think that there is a benefit to having a second set of eyes with oh, some of meaningful input yeah. a second set or a third set i think but one of the rumors that was that was sort of sort of actually actually no it wasn't rumors actually chip actually sort of i think he was quoted as saying this that um when he took the job as showrunner there was, he was toying with the idea of having a writer's room for doctor who uh which is a very uh american thing to do for, for a show that doesn't usually happen that much in the uk or for uk produced shows as far as i'm aware which i thought would be quite interesting um because I think you've got, as you as you said, Michelle, you've got those different ideas and sort of coming into the, into the mix, and people are bouncing off each other. So um, I think I think that's why this episode worked well because it was two of them were contributing towards the story, and I think it worked fantastically well. Um, but I, I I kind of agree. I, I the last previous two seasons I didn't particularly enjoy. There was a couple of good episodes in there, but this season. With the type of storytelling that they've they've done, I've enjoyed every single one. Whether it's one that hasn't been as good as the other, I've still enjoyed the hell out of it. And I cannot wait to see next week rather than thinking, oh, well, this one wasn't so good. Maybe next week's be better. I've enjoyed the through line. I've enjoyed the arc elements of it. Um, the, um, the actual storytelling itself, is, I don't think he's that different, to be honest with you, to seasons 11 and 12. I mean, and... I, I think the, the ones that I'm really invested in are the ones that all link together. So I, when when I rewatched Fugitive and Ascension, I enjoyed those mm. much much more than I did on first first watch. Well, thank you so much. It has been. Wonderful to chat with both of you uh, about this episode. Again, I'm so delighted to have gotten on one that everybody likes. That's <laughs> got to be such a rare day in Doctor Who Yay! podcast history. Um, but we want to know your opinions, viewers, viewers, listeners as well. And uh, you can send that into all the usual places, uh, feedback at the Doctor Who podcast.com, or you can send it into at the DR Who podcast. I believe that that one is Twitter. And you can also find us on Facebook, of course. We would love to hear whether you are as excited about Flux and particularly Episode 4 as we are, or whether we're all wrong on this one. That's okay, too. (laughs) 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 Stay tuned. I uh, anticipate that there will be another midweek part alpha uh, episode 330A probably coming your way so that we can hear what the, the rest of the camper van thought. Michelle, wonderful to speak to you. Phil, it's always good to speak to you. I agree that it's, it's, it's a highly unusual episode in as much as not only do we all agree, but we all ended up 
liking mm. the episode we're discussing. It's fascinating. I'm, I'm sure it won't happen I again know. soon. <laughs> anyway, listeners, do get in touch with us. I am waiting for your emails to drop into the inbox. Michelle, Phil, speak to you again very soon. Bye for now, everybody. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. That was the Doctor Who Podcast, which you can find at thedoctorwhopodcast.com. If you have any feedback, please send it in to feedback at thedoctorwhopodcast.com. Thank you for listening. Take care. Go on then, finish it off. <laughs> what?
what more is there to oh, say? Uh, well, how about goodbye? <laughs> <laughs> hang, hang on, Michelle. Listen, I know it's Sunday. How do you end your sermons? Do you end up? <laughs> do you end up saying goodbye? <laughs> no, oh. with a brilliant point that leaves them thinking, and hopefully, well, come the on, then. Why can't you do that here as amen? well? Amen. Why aren't you saying amen? <laughs> amen. Okay, I'll say amen. <laughs> Multitasking, I have difficulty with. Apart from talking and annoying people, I could do that. <laughs>